Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with Faith Lee. Say hi, Faith. Hi. (laughs) And I invited Faith because... Uh, she doesn't remember so much, but I remember when Faith was a little girl, and I used to work with her parents at a church in the Bay Area. And um, Faith was probably just in elementary school when I met her, but now she is a college student at Biola University, and she's actually doing her own podcast and has um, some really interesting things to share, both in this area of mental health and Christian faith, like I talk about, but also just kind of like the culture as it is being in her generation. So I'm excited to have her voice on the podcast today and just have a little reconnection here. So you ready to dive in, Faith? Yes, I'm so excited. I love podcasting. <laughs> Me too. It's just kind of a, it's a fun hobby, but it also actually really helps people, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Faith, tell us a little bit about the way that you grew up. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area, and so that is San Jose, California. Um, Both my parents um, were Christians, and I just grew up in the church, and it was really great. My dad is a pastor. My mom is currently also a director, too, at the same church, Impact Christian Fellowship. And so I grew up really surrounded by church or surrounded by just the love of Christ, but I think that in my public school, which I went to elementary through high school, I always constantly was getting bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always kind of doubted. I just doubted how like at church people were really loving, but then at school people are really rude and not the nicest. Mm-hmm. And I think that gave me a lot of insecurities, but I also just always found church to be a place that I really enjoyed and it was really exciting. And I also, I played sports too. I played soccer and field hockey mm-hmm. for a long time. And that was really fun to have those teams. And I also did a theater a little bit too, which was yeah. really fun. So those are some of like my little hobbies and stuff that I did growing up. And I had a good time doing those. Good. And what has been kind of your experience like with understanding your own mental health as you grew up? I think... Realizing that I was an external processor, which means so there's internal, which, you know, people take time to sit and think about their thoughts and then external um, really go and talk it out. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that I was an external processor early on. And so I would always want to talk to my mom and tell her everything. Mm -hmm. But then I think with my mental health, it was learning that, oh, it's also important to be internal as well and not just be one or the other. Mm -hmm. So I would take the time to sit and journal. And so in the past, I'd say two to three years, I really picked up journaling and writing down my thoughts so that I could be able to see my progress and see where I have had growth and change to encourage myself and also just see how like Christ has been with me 
mm-hmm. and really seeing like the things that I've been praying for and how they come into fruition. Um, I think that was definitely something I realized and taking time to reflect and see how I could be a better person and love God and love others more. Yeah. Okay. Now you had told me that one of the big, big events of your um, kind of finishing up high school is that you were a graduating senior, right? When we had everything shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you just describe to us what that was like in case listeners don't know somebody that's your age? (laughs) I think the best way I really described it as was isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm super extroverted. Mm -hmm. So I thrive off being around others and I thrive off just being in big group settings. So it was really hard for me to go from constantly being around people and seeing all these friends. And also my parents, my dad was a youth pastor. So I'd like grown up every year going to graduation after graduation. Mm -hmm. And it was just really heavy to be unable to go to my own. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a great anticipation in being able to go to your own high school graduation. And, you know, this is people you've grown up with since elementary school, you know, and have built connections with and done life with them. And so it was hard to kind of just see and just not even realize your last day was your last day. Mm. So that was really difficult for me and also not being able to see as many people. So I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able, I think, to grow closer to my family, which was a nice positive. Yeah. But also it was so hard because I felt like I had I missed out on a lot of final hurrahs yeah. um, in high school. Yeah. Did you see among your peers, like, did you see what we're hearing kind of like in the numbers from the news, like more depression, more anxiety? I I definitely think so. I think even for myself, I really, I struggle with anxiety too. And I think mm-hmm. that COVID did not help that because it made me become even more fearful of things that um, I think that we shouldn't be afraid of. Like constantly, like I would be afraid to like go out and stuff. And so sometimes even now that we're, back to normal or regular I still sometimes feel like a tightening in my chest of being like oh my gosh I have to go out and do something alone or mm-hmm. um, stuff like that it's scary but um, yeah I definitely think also it was really it's really easy for people to isolate themselves because a lot of things are online now because yeah. we've made that transition you know we adapted but um, I just see a lot of youth are unable to Um, interact with one another in person face to face it's more like discord or like online Mm -hmm. but when you actually put them in together it's not much to say which I think it really breaks my heart because I love chatting with people and I remember what it was like before and to see this younger generation because I work with youth Mm -hmm. um, not be able to communicate as well and experience that is really disheartening and difficult Mm -hmm. yeah so you did your first year of college online correct Yes, completely online. Yeah, that's just such a different experience than I know you were anticipating. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. And I also think it was hard because going into my sophomore year at college, it felt like I was going into my freshman year. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still figuring out friend groups, still figuring out like who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a little disheartening because it's like, I finally have found my people, which is such a nice thing, but it's like now I only have one year left with them. So when you were going into your second year, was that the first time that you got to live on campus? Yes, and it was. And I definitely think, though, it was difficult because, you know, I was trying to find friends and trying to find everyone. And 
it was hard because everyone is also the same and you're not used to all of a sudden being thrusted into this big giant environment with all these great people and it, it just a bit was really overwhelming and so I honestly felt like um, my friend choices my sophomore year were not the best that I could have made mm-hmm. and I'm just really blessed that God was really redeeming and this year I was able to find really good people and it's been really great and phenomenal and I feel like I was finally thriving this year versus sophomore year is just kind of figuring things out and more I'd say I'm almost like healing. Yeah so during that freshman year when you were all online were you making friends at all like was there a way to interact with people that to become friends? I would say it was really difficult yeah because zoom you know it was the zoom fatigue like it's hard to find people i mean i know some people locally in the area like like my roommates are from washington so i know they kind of had different like meetups with each other like in parks but in my area it's really rare there were not a lot of people going to biola Mm -hmm. so i had met like one girl who we ended up becoming roommates um and that was great and it was fine but she was kind of my only only friend. Other than that, I really hadn't found any other people. Like you have the people you follow on Instagram, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to build genuine connection when you're just texting someone. I personally love like the in-person or like even just like FaceTiming, you know, or different things like that. But it's you can only FaceTime someone so much until you really get to know them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're kind of glossing over there was actually a big traumatic event that happened within this time period too would you like to tell us a little bit about that yes well (laughs) (laughs) um I will say a little brief you know run through what but I have an episode actually on my podcast okay which is called the faith show and it's titled my story which I go much more in depth about everything that happened but essentially it COVID, you know, started to pass and it was uh, June 2021 mm-hmm. and my family and I had gone to Hawaii because Hawaii was open and we were surfing, which I had done before too. And all of a sudden I like tweaked my back and I was paralyzed from the waist down for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I was stuck in Hawaii for two weeks. And then a week after that, I went straight to the rehab. I took a little air ambulance, which is a very sad private jet is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. yeah, And air ambulance from the island to the mainland, right? So yes, I went from Hawaii, Hawaii, Waikiki, um, Oahu, that island, all the way to Vallejo. Um, I think I landed in Napa and then drove down to Vallejo um, and did intense rehab, like live in rehab, which was probably the hardest time of my life because rehab facilities don't treat you as well as Kaiser Hospital that I was in. I was very fortunate to have the best nurses I would say in the world. Um, And so I think that they were really helped me keep my spirits up. And so in Hawaii, but then so having these great nurses in Hawaii wanting me to thrive, wanting me to do the best, and then coming to rehab where there's less nurses and um, you don't get a shower every day and different things such as that was really disheartening, as well as I was 18 years old and everyone else in that facility was essentially 65 and up because yeah. they were stroke patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really difficult because the people I was working with were great. Um, physical therapist but the other um, aspects of therapy 
um, were really difficult and hard and really hit low spots. Mm -hmm. um, really was w questioning if this is what the rest of my life would look like. Yeah. Like stuck in a wheelchair. Um, seeing how hard it was on my family was also really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I... You know, it was like first the first thing was like, oh, let's get me out of Hawaii and get me back home. Mm -hmm. But it was really then being in rehab and wondering if I would be able to stand up, if this would if it would improve at all. And by the grace of God, I was able to improve. Yeah. And I was on a walker after my week for about, I'd say, like two, three weeks. And then I was able to walk without a walker going to Biola, which was mm -hmm. such a blessing. And yeah. there are still some like little issues like I can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. which is really hard and also I have to frequently use the restroom um more than I used to but like those are nothing in comparison yeah. to like being able to walk again yeah um so yeah yeah I know some of those things that like you couldn't do during that time just felt I imagine just humiliating and just so vulnerable like like you said having to use the restroom a lot or just not being able to feel secure when all the other 18 year olds are you know just running and you're not <laughs> exactly no I remember one time I think it was the fourth of July okay. and my mom and I started like laugh crying you know when you're like laughing so hard you start to cry mm -hmm. um because we were like playing basketball but it was like me in a wheelchair and yeah. like throwing it in a hoop and she had to get the ball for me and it was just like feeling so helpless but also <laughs> just really I think in my heart I had a I just kind of knew that God was going to let me walk again. It was just in his timing. Yeah. And so feeling like I had to trust God in that and just also feeling so loved in the moment too because of how supportive my family was, mm -hmm. but also just like feeling like a burden too. So I feel like laugh crying is the perfect way yeah. to describe what it was. Yeah, it's, It just almost feels so ridiculous, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I remember because uh, your mom started posting on like Caring Bridge or one mm -hmm. of those similar websites. And um, she was telling, you know, all the ins and outs of your story as much as was appropriate to share and stuff. And so every time a post would come up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it, even though, you know, we're, we live far away and everything. I'm like, I'm still going to be praying because like you're a young person and you have so much life ahead of you. And so God, God will restore you and it sounds like he did. If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling, to marketing their practices to Christians, to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Tell me more about like what he did internally in your heart and mind, not just, you know, restoring your body to functioning, but also doing a work in your heart. I think that it was 
honestly, I still, I call it like such a blessing, even though it's still, you know, I have issues day to day and I remember it. I see it as a blessing because I think that God really helped, had that happen to me to point me back to him. Hmm. Um, I think I was really, this is like a very like a Christian term and I'll explain more as like, oh, chasing the world. Which means that, you know, you're going after the things of your own heart's desires. Um, I was working before that at a restaurant and I was was serving. So I was making a lot of money. Mm. I was making good money. And I love that. I love this uh, illusion of security that this money gave me and how I could go do the things that I wanted to do. But at the end of the day, like, I felt so empty. Mm. You know, I think that those things... I was chasing and buying like they are just things you know I think the peace of God is can never like you can never buy that and it is just so much greater than that like again God gives a test for free and I think that throughout my time I really still felt the peace of God and also most importantly on top of that like the community of Christians that were supporting me was just I like a loss for words. I think that I have had I I'm pretty sure thousands of people are praying for me. Yeah. And that means so much. And I to this day will just meet people and they're like, Faith, I know you. Like I was praying <laughs> for you. You got hurt. And I was like, What? That's so crazy. Yeah. And so just really getting to see firsthand how great the body of Christ is and how they came together to care for me and love me. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I think that's really what God showed me is like, you know, in Ecclesiastes, everything is vanity. Mm -hmm. And I think I really saw that, like all the things I was chasing after would only give me momentary pleasure, happiness, Mm -hmm. but nothing can give us joy except Jesus Christ. And he really displayed that and showed that love to me through the, through my family and also through the support of people. Mm -hmm. And I think like, as I mentioned, like how I was growing up, I didn't really realize like how good, this love was because I was so filled with oh like chasing after the people's approval and like middle school high school you know but then really being here like helpless but still seeing how God loved me and still God wanted me just really changed my life yeah now you've grown up as the kid of a youth pastor and you've been to Christian college and you work with youth and you work with uh, FCA and like what what would what do you want the young people to know? That you don't have to try so hard, which is such an easy thing to say. <laughs> but but I think just in my experience, it's like God loves me and I am enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that constantly we feel like we're not enough because we're chasing approval. We see it on social media all the time, like, oh, this is people being perfect and everything. But I think that finding good people who also like to surround you, that love you and see you for you, that you don't have to work so hard. And I found those people and it is so relieving. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to be surrounded by people you don't have to try so hard to be around. And that they love you and they also love you the way that Christ loves you. And um, yeah. What did it take for you to find those people? Because I would agree, like, you need those people in your life. But I know, like, I've been in seasons, it sounds like maybe, like, your sophomore year was a season like that, where you're like, where are my people? (laughs) 
Um, it's honestly such a crazy story. Okay. So I was supposed to live with the same roommate I did sophomore year. And I was going to live with her because I knew how to live with her. That was like my reasoning. And um, randomly, though, these two girls that I love so much, they we they randomly posted on their Instagram story. They're like, hey, like we're going to be living in a triple like because I was living in the dorm. So at Biola, the dorms are usually doubles, but there's like one room each floor that's a triple. So three people live in it. And their third person was actually studying abroad. And Biola had told them they need to find a third person or that Bilo's going to randomly put someone there. And they were like, oh my gosh, what are we to do? <laughs> and these two girls I had met before, but, and I thought they were really great people, but I had never really gotten t- to know them closer. I had found these, my friend group was the people I lived on the floor with. It was kind of like, you know, it was easy because the law of proximity, it's close by, it's convenient, right? But I had always felt a little bit in my heart. I was like, I don't know why I would have, you know, ups and downs with these people, but and it was not healthy, but I didn't realize that it could look different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I happened to be home that weekend because I was living in Mexico for three for the summer last summer for um because I was doing YWAM uh, mission okay. adventure and it was really fun. But basically I was home for a weekend and I randomly told my mom and I was like there's these two girls that I think are super cool. Would love to live with them. I don't know what to do because that would mean I have to leave my other roommate. And I, my mom and I pros and cons a list. And then I decided to reach out to them and they chose me. And that's <laughs> how I found them. And long story short, it's the best living situation I could have ever imagined. Wow. And we pray, be- we like would pray before we went to bed. We would just talk almost daily just about how we're seeing Christ in our lives how um how like what we're struggling with what we need prayer for what are our praises and I think like what how I found these people was truly because I prayed for it yeah I've been praying for years and years to for God to like give me a good friend group and I think he really told me you have to take a leap of faith Mm -hmm. and go and like you know sacrifice something else to experience this and I didn't really know them they were my acquaintances I'd hung out with them maybe a few times but it has just been the best thing ever and with that you know I think that there's a saying like you are the average of your friends and so they become became my really good friends and I think because of that I became a better person that's that's amazing and I'm so thankful for that and because then I met their friends and then we all became kind of like a friend group and it's just been so great and even though like we're just we're not going to live with each other next year because just some other things um the pairs of things didn't work out like I still know that they're my good friends and Mm -hmm. I can depend on them and they're going to constantly point me back to Jesus and Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to continue my friendships with them yeah Yeah. so it sounds like your maybe strategy or advice for whether it's a young person listening right now or like maybe a parent or grandparent that's listening and knowing that their young person needs that like a solid friend group that's supportive and that you know like you said is pointing that person back to christ all the time like pray for it right pray for it and also i'm gonna say like if you're a high school or middle schooler i hope if you're going to church like go to like 
go to youth group. <laughs> youth group is so great. Even if you're like, I'm a senior and I don't know, like it's never too late. Mm-hmm. And why not try it out? Because that's mm-hmm. where I met a lot of really great people. And it's been great. And I like youth group is so fun. And if not only maybe you <laughs> won't meet like peers, but you're going to meet leaders who are going to love you too. And that is so nice and so refreshing. Yeah, that's so true. So my daughter, who's now 13, she had a really hard time, like in elementary school, just making friends. She was shy and just, we went to a small church that didn't have a lot of girls that were her age. And so she just never knew how to make friends. And we prayed and prayed and like every Bible study that I've been in, if you said, what does Anne want to pray about? It'll probably be like making friends, you know? Um, And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And then when she was just about to start sixth grade, we went, we switched churches and we went to a bigger church that has a really great, huge active youth group and great leaders. And she's been able to make friends there to the point where she says, mommy, when I'm at church, I feel like myself. And like at school, you know, you still have to kind of like try to keep things yeah. together and like, you know, act a certain way, whatever. But she has such a great group of friends now and it's because of youth group. So I would agree with everything you're saying, like pray, put yourself out there. Yes, because it's not like I this is also what I say for the like I was reading a book about dating. It's like, yes, pray for your future person, but also you have to be active in seeking it out. Yeah. It's not going to show up on your door. Yeah. So I think that putting yourself in places that cultivate that good community and want to push for that, then those are great places to be. Yeah. So you told me you've been doing a lot of reading about dating. So, and I know you've had a couple of podcast episodes about that as well. So tell me like, what are some of the insights that you're having just like for your stage your generation what are a couple of ideas or tips that you might share I think my situation is unique in the sense that I've talked to a lot of my peers that don't go to Biola and they're not even really thinking about that Mm. but at Biola there's the ring by spring (laughs) Christian college college where everyone you know is engaged by spring they're like MRS degree their senior year yes and you know so many girls in my majors have long boyfriends and they're like gonna get married right off so I think it's really interesting unique because it is something I think about but almost essentially everyone in my friend group is not dating anyone and I think that I've just taken the time to really I would say Yes, think about what you want. So I have a husband list. I have a list of like qualities that I would like in my future husband. So, you know, I can look for that and be intentional with like seeing how my future husband and I can further the kingdom of God together mm-hmm. and things like that and having these list of things that I think would be important and who I want to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, first and foremost, also looking at myself and really reflecting on, yes, this is these are all great qual- qualities that I want in someone, but how about myself? Am I ha- displaying great qualities that someone would also want to be with? Um, and so I've been taking time just to, you know, I have a spiritual director at Biola and just taking time to heal from just lots of past traumatic things and also just really learning also to be a good friend first and foremost and then also on top of that how to be maybe on that a good girlfriend um 
I have yet to really go dating yet. So I think I'm in this stage of really praying fervently for my future husband and yeah. whatever he's doing and praying that God is working on his heart as well as that God will work on mine so that when we do meet, whatever that is, I hope sooner than later, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, we could be ready. Um, yeah. So I would say just really taking time to reflect on yourself. Ask your friends. This is one of my favorite questions I ask my friends. It's like, how can I love you better? Mm-hmm. The friend. And then also then you can see like, oh, what, what have I been doing wrong that I'm not, you know, aware of? Um, yeah, I think that's something I've really been thinking about. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I mean, I'm like 20 years older than you probably. And so I, you know, went to college in a different era. Um, there weren't dating apps or anything, but, <laughs> you know, um, I I remember because I went to a, a secular college, but my some of my friends went to Christian colleges and that was still like like the ring by spring thing during that era. And my parents, you know, 30 years before that had gone to Azusa Pacific and got married there when they were like 19 and 21. Wow. You know? <laughs> And so it's been part of that kind of like Christian culture for a long time is like you go to a Christian college, you find the one you get married right away, you know, <laughs> like, and yet, like when I went to college, I was the only one that got married right away. Um, and I still have friends from my friend group from college that are still single into their 40s. And it has been just a really different culture. And so it's I didn't know if that was like maybe because we didn't go to a Christian college or maybe, you know, like it's different, but like, like you say, like looking at how are you developing yourself and healing some of those past wounds that you have, and then just, you know, bringing as much as you can to a a potential relationship. Yeah. I would also say, I think that the intentions behind dating are really different. And between a secular college and a Christian college, I think that a lot of times secular colleges and also just, um, a lot a majority of the people I know that are not at Biola it's like their intentions are like they want to be secure financially and stuff before they began dating and even thinking about like a long-term relationship whereas I think and so there's more like at non-Christian colleges there's more hookup culture yeah um Biola I'm sure still has it but I'm not aware of it and also Biola is very intentional on not allowing you know, to be above reproach and not allowing situations such as that to happen. Like mm-hmm. in the dorms, you are supposed to have the door open if a guy is in your room and you can only mm-hmm. have them in your room in the dorms from Thursday through Sunday from 2 to 11, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to do those things. I mean, yeah. yeah. So and I think at a Christian university, the intentions more of dating is for marriage. So most people, you know, you, you go on a date it's for long term versus like let's go hang out and you know mess around or something like that which i personally really like and i Mm -hmm. i kind of like that that's what the culture wants and is yeah but yeah yeah that's pretty unique Mm -hmm. like there's just a few small beacons here in southern california (laughs) versus like the broader culture yes Mm -hmm. yeah well um i want to ask you just like i asked all of my guests what are you doing for soul care I would say definitely like reading the word of God and meditating on it. But also I really have really focused on surrounding myself with people who also love Christ and have Christ at the center of their lives. Yeah. Because I think 
as an as I mentioned, as an external processor, I really enjoy chatting about how I'm doing spiritually, mentally, physically mm-hmm. with people. And I see Christ do that. And I feel like Christ speaks to me through others as well. And so yeah. I really feel like that helps my soul do well and be at peace. Mm-hmm. Yes. As a fellow extrovert, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, if somebody wanted to find out more about you or listen to your podcast, where can they find you? So I my podcast is called The Face Show, and it's available on essentially all streaming platforms. But if you wanted to reach out to me, you can always add me on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> at- <laughs> Faithly and also on my Instagram, I have two. So my personal is the Faithly, so T H E E Faithly, or also the Faith Show Podcast is another um, one I have as well. So okay. feel free to reach out. I always love chatting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a joy. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I will have all those links in the show notes so people can find those, and I'll make sure that. I'm following you on Instagram <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> yes, perfect. No, it's been previous, so great. Yeah, a previous guest was like, you need to update your LinkedIn because I basically <laughs> haven't for like 10 years because I'm self-employed and I just do my own thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, maybe I need to do that. <laughs> yes, I'm always networking. You know, it, it's hard to find internships. Yeah. So you have to network. Yeah. But yes. Thank you so much for having me yeah. on the show though. It's yeah. been so fun. Really fun. And um I appreciate that and that you're willing to, you know, maybe talk to any listeners that have probably like a young person that they want to make sure gets hooked up in the right way. So thank you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.